First of all, let us see the concept of virginity as the form of Christianity. What do I mean when I say the form? Have you ever heard this word, form? F-O-R-M? <laughs> Which is a, it's a not an, a common word that we use in our spoken language. But we have to understand its uh, philosophical background in order to understand also what we mean, what I mean now when I say uh, ladies' virginity is the form. Form is a technical word to mean uh, a principle giving a perfection to an entity. So the form is the principle structuring something which is. Uh, the very one of the first philosophers to think about this uh, form as the very structural principle of something which exists was Aristotle. Uh, the form is a principle, so you don't see it's an invisible principle. It's something spiritual that is not material. But it is so important that it gives... The, the structure, it gives the most important quality of something, that is the, the fact that something is and uh, exists. So the form is something specifying the entity. Let's have an example, first of all, to understand. For example, you are now uh, writing on a table. This table is an entity. You see now the table, right? The table is a composition, actually, of something material, the material needed to make this table, and uh, the fact that this is a table, not a chair. Why is this a table and not a chair? And you have chosen a table to write on and not a chair. Why? What's the reason why this table is a table and the chair is a chair and the sister is a sister? The reason is the form. The form is specifying the entity. Where is the form of the table? You don't see the form. You can't measure it. You can't uh, uh, touch it, actually. If you touch the table, you touch the table. You touch this material here. But the fact that this uh, uh, material is a table is the form. So the form is structuring the table. The form is giving to this table the very uh, the, the essence of it. So the form is linked with the, the essence. According to Aristotle, the form is the most perfect species because it gives the most important thing to an entity, and this is the being. The fact that something is, and, and the fact that something is, is the most important uh, property because without being, we can't have anything else. The most perfect species. The species because uh, it's uh, a reality, the form that gives the most important uh, property to something. And this property is the, the existence. So it is because the form is an act. The form is uh, giving the being. So it, it's a principle. Right? Principle, transmit, uh, principle passing on to something, the, the, 
the fact that the existence and the very essence, so the form is the essence of something. What's the essence of a sister? The fact that a woman is consecrated to God with religious vows. This is the form of a sister. What's the form of a table? The table is a table because that piece of material, aluminium, has been shaped so that it might be used as a table, might become a table. Right? Are you with me? So the form is very essential to understand something. The form is transmitting, is giving the essence to something. That's why the form is, is uh, important to be, to be understood as such. Father, can you say it's the intention for which something is made or created? Or is that something different? The form is, yes, this is a good question. The form is, first of all, an intention of someone, for example, making the table. Right. Or a woman thinking of religious life. Mm. There is an intention. But in order to become uh, a form, that intention has to be put into action. Mm. So the, in, the form is first in my intention, but it is the person acting, already someone who exists, who has the intention to create this table, to make this table, right? And shaping it as a table, the carpenter. The form of a table is first in his mind thinking of a table, then he, he starts to work and to shape the table, the table is done, the form is then in the table, no longer in myself. And the form belongs to the, to the things existing, to the entities. And it is because of the form that an entity is as such, and different from something else. Right? So we have always to look for this form in our spiritual life. What is the form of our spiritual life? Uh, the form of our spiritual life is the characteristic of our Marian Franciscan life. The religious vows uh, with a special consecration to Our Lady. This is a form of our religious life. And this form, in fact, is giving you the being as a sister in this specific way of life. If we analogically, similarly, take this concept of form and apply it to Our Lady, we see that there should be, at the very beginning of Christianity, the form has always is a principle, so it is always at the beginning of something. If there is no form, there is no table. If there is no form, there is no system, no religious system, right? So. If the form has always the reason of beginning, and according to Aristotle, since the form is so important, is also the very end of something, the goal to reach. It's the beginning and the end, because it is the most perfect thing. So the form precedes something, and also is already the very goal to reach. So keeping this in mind, we can transfer everything now to the virginity of Our Lady. Why can we say that the virginity of Our Lady is a form of Christianity? Right for this reason, because it has 
the, the reason of a principle for the Christianity. Why a principle? Because it is through Our Lady's perpetual virginity that Jesus came into the world. So Jesus came only through her virginity. Without her perpetual virginity, there is no incarnation. Our Lady, we believe, is virgin before childbirth, during childbirth, and after. That's why we say perpetual virginity. Ever virgin. Virgin before, during giving birth, and after. <clears throat> okay? So, why is it the form? Because the virginity is the very beginning of Christian life, because it is the form in which it is the womb in which Jesus was created. Jesus, the humanity of Christ, was shaped. And Jesus, in his eternal wisdom, chose this uh, perpetual virginity as the very form of his being with us, to be incarnate, right? So the form is the, the door, this form is the door of God into the world. The door letting God into the world. And uh, this, this is a very patristic concept. For example, St. Ambrose reflecting on the book of Ezekiel, the prophecy of Ezekiel, chapter 44, the door of the temple, which, remain always sh uh, which is always shut because God, the God of hosts, has passed through. And this door was the door of the temple, the door looking at east, through which, uh, which was actually letting the priest, the high priest, once a year into the Holy of Holies of the temple. But that door had to be always shut because it was the door through which only God could go. The Father, especially St. Ambrose, I was saying, uh, uh, interpreted this door as Our Lady's virginity, a door which is a hair womb, which is closed, but through which Jesus came. He passed through the womb, uh, remaining it uh, intact, closed, because it is God passing as the door of the temple. And there is also another beautiful text of St. Jerome, another great uh, Western father of the church, who says that uh, he adds something more of a priestly content. The door of the temple, looking at east, actually, was a priestly door, because through it, the priest had to go, the high priest could go. But the very high priest is Christ, right? He's the only high priest who came into the temple through that door. So Our Lady's virginity is the, temp the door of Christ, the high priest, into the temple. And of course, the temple of Christ is what? Is Our Lady's womb, perpetual, uh, perpetually sealed by her virginity. Right, this just to say that the virginity of Mary is the beginning, but it is also, in a way, the very end, the completion 
Why is it the completion? Alif Vajan is the completion. Because in heaven there is no longer the marriage. In heaven, as Jesus says in the gospel, we will live as angels of God. And this means also that religious life, which anticipates that condition, is higher than any other uh, call and vocation in this world, as well as celibacy after religious life. And marriage is, is perfect, of course, but less perfect than religious life. For this reason, religious life has always been defined by the magisterium as a state of perfection. Now we have lost this concept because with Vatican II, the Lumen Gentium wanted to say that everybody is called to holiness. And then religious life comes only after the chapter about holiness. While before, religious life was always a model, showing a model after which the Church has to be, to be formed in order to strive for holiness. But now with the concept that everyone has to be perfect, we have lost that great important concept, religious life as state of perfection. But this, this loss is uh, tragic because... Uh, with the loss of the concept of state of perfection, and everything has been uh, made, has been uh, uh, put on the same, same level, actually, everything has become flat. Everyone is perfect, or better to say, everyone has to, to look for holiness, so there is no longer any state of life which is higher than another one. Religious life is no longer a state of perfection because otherwise we might offend the people in the living in a marriage. So in this case, all states of, of life are basically on the same level, while everybody is called to holiness. And while losing this uh, concept of religious life as state of perfection, we have lost a lot of vocations. Many orders are closing down. Convents, friaries are now on sale for becoming hotels or something else. But the problem is that with this tragic loss of this concept, religious life has been diminished in its uh, important role but the very strange thing is that all, all today also the marriage suffers a great crisis, isn't it? Even marriages are in a big crisis. Why? Because they, I mean, uh, the sacrament of marriage within the church suffers a crisis. Because not having any more a model, which is this perfection given not in the sense that Religious sisters are more uh, holier than people living in a marriage. No, because also a very humble woman living in a marriage can be much more perfect than a sister who is, for example, not humble. Right? But the fact that religious life is a state of perfection means that in this world, publicly, that is visibly, religious people, consecrated people, through their own actions, 
perform something perfect, objectively. In other words, the fact that the, the vow of chastity is more perfect than, than, than the vow of uh, the marriage vow. Because publicly, we show that love for Christ, which is higher than a love shared in a family. This is the only reason why religious life is higher than any other state of life. Not because, again, subjectively, a sister is uh, holier than a, a father or a mother in a family. That's why also if a sister is not holy, might go even more further down than a mother and a father in a family. Father, I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, as in the religious life, you um, are obedient to a superior, to a rule, and to a vow. Is that kind of um, why, even though the um, Second Vatican Council is calling everyone to holiness, it seems like no one knows what to do to be holy? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because religious life, per se, is the, gives an example. Gives, uh, this, it lays out, actually, this model of publicly, that is visibly, openly, renouncing something for the sake of the, the kingdom of Christ. And you show, by your words, your actions, your vows, that that eternal life is already here, is possible. If people have no longer this example, or better, if we do not set out something important for everyone as a public example, of course people are a little bit confused. And everyone is trying to, to see what holiness is, to, to understand it, and to try to live it out. But this is a big problem, and this has caused a great uncertainty among people, and a great confusion. And if, because perfection is hierarchical. God is, of course, God is God. And, uh, and then there is... Uh, so the perfection is... A, uh, in order to understand this perfection, which is a ladder, you have this idea, the ladder, you have to go up, 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 in order to come, come closer to God. And the states of, of uh, life are like this ladder. First there is marriage, which is something. Then there is something higher, a next step, celibacy. Then there is something even higher, which is religious, consecrated life. Oh, which is also, there is also before that the uh, widowhood, which is another state. This uh, state chosen for the love of Christ. It is even higher than marriage. Because, because you see, there is a, a sponsality of love. Love is God, and we have to be espoused with him in love. How can we be espoused with him in love? By coming closer and closer to him. Right? So there is this uh, hierarchical perfection, but for the sake of this uh, universal call to perfection, we have lost this hierarchy. If we lose the hierarchy, we lose the order. 
if we lose the order, we are in a great mess. And uh, we have, in the end, both religious life and uh, marital life in the same in the same crisis. So we need a form which is from above uniting hierarchically these states of life. We need something higher that is the form of both marriage and religious life. And this higher form is our lady's virginity. In my, my opinion, we have lost this uh, hierarchical distinction because beforehand we have lost another important truth, which is Our Lady's perpetual virginity. Uh, there is a decay, so to speak, in the realm of theology, when already in the 40s, 50s, some theologians started to put Our Lady's virginity into question. Because for some theologians it was very difficult to understand how Our Lady how she, a lady, can be a mother and a virgin at the same time. Biologically speaking, this is not possible. So, if we want to present these truths to the society, to the biology, we have to change something, because otherwise people do not understand. And of course, if you put into question the mystery, the dogma that a lady is a mother, but is also a virgin, uh, we have lost this uh, clear faith in Our Lady's perpetual virginity. And uh, if we lose the faith in this priority of something greater than a human common life, of course, you lose subsequently even the hierarchical distinction among those uh, vocations states of life and every everything becomes uh, the same flat there is no distinction but if there is no distinction again there is confusion yes confusion is something which is not distinct okay so a lady a lady's virginity is the form as the beginning that's why we need a form which is higher than these human states of life in order to bring them together, but according to this hierarchy. Putting them in the right order. At the very top of this hierarchy, there is, of course, God. There is the love of Christ, the charity. And we have to have that charity. That's why if a person is loving Christ with all his heart, that person is perfect. That is the greatest act of charity. But if another person is loving Christ with a public example, by giving up everything for Christ, this does not mean that I'm automatically holy, but that I'm in a state of life which is more perfect than a life where, subjectively, I have to make an act of charity. So it is about objectivity, about something which is uh, evident, which is public, right? So a lady's virginity is the beginning, 
and, and she's also the very goal, we said. Why the goal? Because this is, she's at the very top of, the, of this ladder, this hierarchical distinction, and she is in heaven already preceding the church. She is the most uh, perfect uh, incarnation, so to speak, of the church. Why? Because she's assumed into heaven, body and soul. Her virginal body is taken up into heaven. And then this means that the church, in all her members, has to come to the same place where Our Lady has already gone before. Yeah? So Our Lady is there and she is always uh, giving us the example of this final perfection which is the, to stay with God in heaven. So at least virginity is the form. See? The form which is structural to the Christian being. She gives the very, she gives in a sense, of course, not metaphysically speaking, but in a more spiritual, theological way. She gives the very perfection to the Christian being in any of the states of life, because she gives to the married people the grace, the example, to, to love each other and to always uh, look for a greater love, which is not the carnal one only, but the love for Christ, the love and the sacrifice and uh, the opening to life, which is the very goal of marriage. And then she gives to the, the, the priests the grace to be faithful to their vocation. And she gives to the religious people, the, she sets an example for the religious people to, be, uh, to live for God. And this is a very patristic uh, uh, teaching. For example, St. Augustine says that everybody has something to do with Our Lady's virginity. Everybody. In any condition of life, everybody in the church has to do something, has a relation with Our Lady's virginity. So this virginity means that he's, this virginity is the very beginning, the very, it's the principle giving the being, giving the, the, the form, right? Giving the essence to Christian life. The essence is the, the pure love for God, virginal love for God. So in Our Lady's uh, holy virginal womb, all vocations are shaped, are formed, right? In her, as a mother giving birth to the church, there are already all kinds, all possible Christian vocations. This is not to despise marriage, otherwise we become Gnostic. You know, the Gnostics were, in a way, uh, very, very proud because they said the very, the, the essence of the person is not the body. The body is uh, something material, which is a nutshell, so to speak. The very essence of the person is the soul, the spirit, the intellect, the knowledge by which we can uh, overcome all this materiality of life, but in the end they were turning against the body, against the 
the materiality of life and using the body as something which is uh, which is uh, of it's, the body has no dignity so I can do with my body whatever I wish this is the LGBT mentality actually it's a kind of Gnosticism to see the very self not in this unity of body and soul but only the soul against the body to do in order to turn my body into whatever I like. Uh, a lady's virginity is uh, the only possible way that while it shows that the spirit comes first, because God is spirit, but uh, it says also that the body has a great dignity. So today we have, a, we, I said there is a crisis, especially uh, in this uh, different in every actually uh, state of life and there is also in a more general way in the church a kind of heresy the heresy of the loss of the fall there is a German author whose name is Martin Mosebach who has written a very interesting book about the liturgy and uh, he says that especially in the liturgy, this is very visible, there is a loss of form, which is a new heresy. The loss of order, the loss of any, even the rituality has lost its uh, essence. And everything is changed into something very human. So there is a loss of the original form. Just to say that most of the time a priest or even lay people are just inventing something new. So it means that the, the liturgy is not no longer something given, but something to always discover and make up as we wish. So there is a kind of amorphism. Amorphism is the loss of the form. There is no form, so there is amorphism. There is a kind of amorphism which is uh, the very enemy of today's uh, moment in the church. So we need Our Lady to give us this form back. The form which is uniting in a hierarchical way, ordered way, all the vocations and the church as well where the priest is the priest and the lay person is the lay person, the religious person is a religious person and not a social worker only, where everyone is what he, she is. This is the form. The reason why I am what I am is because I have a form of what I am. So Our Lady is the, the one who, the form of Christ, then, she made Christ, she shaped the humanity of our Lord, and then, for this reason, she is the form of all Christians. This is the main concept. Since she gave to Christ his human form, she has also become the one who gives the form to all Christians. Because in her womb, when Jesus is incarnate, there, is already, there are already all members all members of Christ's uh, body, mystical body, are already present 
when Jesus is formed. So in giving to Jesus the human form, she already gave to the church her human, supernatural form. Um, do we know if uh, Christ, like in his incarnation, did he have like genes of Mary? All genes are from Mary, because, because it's a virginal conception. Everything human is from Mary. Right, so we can now, if everything is clear so far, yes, more or less, <laughs> we can add another concept, which is very interesting, I think, for religious life. The unity of virginity at Sponsality. If we start considering this form, Our Lady as the very beginning, the form as something giving the, the essence to an entity, giving the being, analogically, we see also a very uh, intimate relationship between virginity and uh, spousal life. Why? Because Our Lady is, is uh, considered since the very beginning of Christianity as the spousal chamber of Christ. Have you heard of this beautiful word? She's the spousal chamber, nuptial chamber of Christ, where Christ got married with humanity. Christ espoused humanity in Our Lady's womb in uniting to his divinity the humanity. And Our Lady's virginal womb is this chamber where Christ celebrated these nuptials with the Church, with humanity actually, and with the Church as well. So her virginity is a bond of unity between Christ and the Church. Christ and humanity in general, but specifically between Christ and the Church. Christ came forth uh, th uh, through... Uh, he came from this... Uh, uh, this chamber. He came out of this in order to unite to himself the, the Church, his mystical body. So Our Lady, in giving birth to Christ, she gave also to the Church her form. For this reason, Our Lady is the type, the model, the very, the, the very, the highest model of all virgins who chose in their lives to remain as Our Lady, to remain virgin. <coughs> and Our Lady is also the model, the type of all those who Instead, keep that virginity in their spirit. They keep Our Lady's virginity spiritually. Married people. Everyone in the Church has, I said, something to do with Our Lady's virginity. Either those who physically follow this example, or even those who only spiritually, but even those people have, are formed by Our Lady's virginity. And in fact, this is a very uh, important concept that we find in uh, St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 11.2.
you remember this beautiful text that we always read in the common of virgins. For I am jealous of you with the jealousy of God. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Who is speaking to? Who St. Paul is speaking to? I'm jealous. He's writing to the Corinthians. Second letter to the Corinthians. And uh, these Corinthians have to learn that they are espoused to Christ and they have to be faithful to this only love, the love for Christ. Because St. Paul, as a minister of Christ, has the duty to present. And to present here is a, to present the church, the Christians of this church, of this community, to Christ as a chaste virgin. So the, the concept of being married to Christ is a very Pauline concept, right? The, the, the church is a spouse of Christ. Christians are espoused with our Lord as a virgin. But how can St. Paul say that the, the church is a virgin if there is no virgin as such at the very beginning of the church? So the virginity of the church is applied to it because of a lady, of a woman, who is a virgin. And there's also another important concept, always in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, sorry, to the Galatians. You remember this important statement? The statement that says that Jesus was born of a woman. God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, born of a woman. What does it mean? For the Jewish mentality to say that a man is born of a woman is something deplorable. Because the woman is never generating the son or the child. It is always the father generating. This is the, the reason why in the genealogy of Christ we have always the father generating. Although there is the presence of some women, yes, but when the moment of Christ's generation comes, there is a jump. Very important. The list of the, of the men generating stops and there is our lady. Mary, from whom Jesus was born. To say that Jesus is born of a woman, it was shameful for the Jewish mentality. But this is the reality because there is no man in Christ's life. Jesus is the fruit of our lady's virginity. <clears throat> Although against the culture and the mentality of the time, this is the truth. Jesus is born of a woman. So when St. Paul speaks of this virgin, that is the church, consecrated to Christ, the husband, the church is the bride and the Christ is the husband. Now he has clear in mind that Christ is born of a woman. That is, he's born virginally, only of a woman. There is no man. There is no action of any man. So he's the fruit of our lady's virginity. So this concept of being espoused to Christ is a biblical concept. And this is also very uh, an, an ancient concept 
starting with the fathers of the church, considering a lady uh, as espoused with who? Espoused with Christ. Because if Hevum is this, uh, is this chamber of Christ, nuptial chamber, this means that Our Lady herself is also the spouse of Christ, the Virgin, which prepares the way for the Church to be espoused with Christ. And in fact, there are some other uh, references to this uh, important teaching. Another one is uh, Saint Maxim, the Confessor, Maximus, sorry, the Confessor, one of the fathers of the Byzantine Church, fifth century, who uh, highlighted the importance of Our Ladies being the spouse of Christ. If we come to the West, actually the very first father of the Church who spoke about Our Lady as the spouse of Christ is St. Peter Chrysologus, Bishop of Ravenna in Italy. And 4th, 5th century. And the very interesting thing is that uh, also there is another reference from St. Ephraim, spouse of God. Our Lady is the spouse of God. The very first reference to Our Lady as the spouse in relation with God is to Christ, not to the Holy Spirit. We are used to, to see Our Lady as the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Yes, but... Uh, in the development of the tradition, the spouse of the Holy Spirit came only later, during the Middle Age, with who? Who? St. Francis, correct. When? What is the reference of St. Francis to Our Lady, spouse of the Holy Spirit? The prayer? Which prayer? Ave Signora Santa, Santa Regina. There is a beautiful prayer to Our Lady, O Holy Lady, Holy Lady, Spouse of the Holy Spirit. So the very first saint who understood this relationship between Our Lady and the Holy Spirit was Saint Francis. But we have to wait his time. But before, during the Father's time, the Church Father's time, the, very, the first concept which came be understood about Our Lady and God. This relationship is between Our Lady and Christ. She is the spouse of Christ. Correct. It's a good question. This is the reason why we try always to think of Our Lady as the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And when we hear that Our Lady is the spouse of Christ, we are a little bit surprised. How can she be the spouse of Christ while, while she is the mother? Yes, sponsality now has to be understood in a very, in a different level, on a different level. The level of her maternal ministry together with Christ. She is the new Eve, spouse, because she is the new Eve. She is the co-redemptrix. So, this is very clear among the fathers as well. As the first Eve was the cause of our ruin, because she led Adam into sin by being disobedient to God, so the second Eve 
Or better to say the true Eve, the new Eve, Our Lady, as Immaculate Ever Virgin, in obeying to God, repaired that sin and was the cause of our salvation. So, as the first Eve was espoused to the first Adam, so it is with the second Adam and the second Eve. Who is the second Adam? Christ. Second Eve, Mary. She is espoused mystically. So this espousal has to be seen in a co-redemptive way. You understand co-redemptive? In a way to participate with Christ in the work of our redemption. So it's a ministry, maternal ministry. And actually, if to be spouses means to become one flesh, yes, one body, one flesh. Actually, this was true with Our Lady. She is one flesh with Christ. But that flesh is the flesh of our salvation. That is the body Christ took from her in order to save us, to offer it up as a sacrifice. And Our Lady was contributing with Christ in this uh, offering, especially at the foot of the altar. Our Lady is offering the sacrifice together with Jesus, being one flesh with him, one soul, bride and groom, so celebrated in a very final way, the nuptial right on the cross. And this is also the marriage between Christ and the Church. The Church was espoused definitively on the cross. But uh, at the foot of the cross there is the woman, yes, woman, not the mother. Jesus, in addressing our lady, said, Woman, behold your son. Not mother, behold your, your son. But woman. Why woman? Woman is, you are the new Eve. You are the one to repair the sin of mankind. So this is the reason why our lady is the spouse of Christ. And the beautiful thing is that the very, the first, one of the first fathers, I said, who made a reference to this, Our Lady as the spouse of Christ, and uh, is a, a St. Peter Chrysologus, and this is the first time we, together with St. Ephraim, almost the same century, but we have to go to Syria. St. Ephraim was from Syria. This was uh, St. Peter Chrysologus, is Italian, the Western world. But both already speak of this responsibility with God, specifically with Christ, anticipating, or better explaining, this relationship between Christ and Mary. But also, there is another important reference in a very important hymn, which is the Akatist hymn, Akatistos, which is a Byzantine hymn, fifth, sixth century after Christ. It's the most ancient hymn, Marian hymn, of the Byzant coming from the Byzantine church. Akatistos, which means something to pray while standing, not to sit. Yeah? In fact, this, this hymn has to be sung while standing. And the very interesting thing is that each verse of the hymn is always concluded by a refrain which is 
This one, hail or bride ever virgin. Hail or bride ever virgin. Beautiful. Our lady is the bride, but ever virgin. A bride consecrated to Christ. Or we can say, o sposa sempre vergine. Uh, yes, but... Uh, or better, uh, there is another beautiful reference. She is the spouse, not espoused. Another beautiful Spouse, but not espoused. Spouse of Christ, because mother ever virgin, but not espoused in the human way. What's the conclusion from this point? If our lady is the spouse of Christ... This means that her relationship, this intimate, uh, salvific relationship with Christ, is the form that gives to the Church her uh, sponsality with Christ. It's the virginity of Mary which becomes co-redemptive, becomes salvific, and unites the Church with Christ. So without her sponsality, without her virginity, there is no sponsality. There is no union of the Church with Christ. If this union is virginal as it is, this means that all members within the Church are married with Christ as a chaste virgin. Second Corinthians. Okay? But according to a hierarchy, not everybody the same. Our Lady can give to each of the Christians in the Church that form which is basically her virginal conception, her uh, virginal conception of all Christians, pushing them, guiding them towards eternal life. If Christian perfection is actually a sponsality of love with Jesus. Because we know always from St. Paul that the one who is united with Christ becomes one soul with him. Everybody who is united with him becomes one soul. So it's a spousal love, making two people, Christ and the soul and the person, human person, one soul, one union in a union of love. So this means that the Christian perfection can be achieved through always by Our Lady's generation with her maternal support as the mother, as the mother of the Church. Finally, if you are not tired, just the very final concept. This virginity, this form, it's also important to understand another, another union, union of two realities, which is very, very ancient, present in the early church. This is the union between virginity and martyrdom. So if we look at the very first centuries, we see, for example, one of the greatest martyrs of the church, St. Agnes from Sicily. This St. Agnes, whose uh, 
Dies Natalis, the, 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 the day of her birth to eternal life, the day of her martyrdom, is, uh, is celebrated on the 21st of January. We understand, according to St. Ambrose, who wrote uh, a book to praise the, this martyrdom of St. Agnes, the book is De Virginibus, in which he praised the virginity in a moment when there were many attacks against this uh, virginity. He wrote a book, the Virginibus, in which he praised the martyrdom, the virginal martyrdom of St. Agnes. Natalis est virginis, integritatem sequamur. Natalis est martyris, ostias immolemus. Beautiful. It's the birthday of a virgin, let's follow her integrity. It's the birthday of a martyr, Let's offer a sacrifice. Mm. So the, the day of birth of this virgin, which is the day of her martyrdom, coincides with the day of her sacrifice to God. It's the day of her virginal integrity, which, whose completion is the offering of her as a sacrifice to God. So you see, the virginity is putting together this form. Uh, it's important because unites virginity and martyrdom. In fact, according to always St. Ambrose, St. Agnes went to her martyrdom as a spouse goes to her nuptials, to be espoused with Christ in, a, in her eternal nuptial with her blood she wanted to seal this eternal pact of love with our lord that's beautiful so she goes to her martyrdom as she uh, went to her nuptials the virgin agnes wants to be forever the spouse of christ and agnes is means you know what Agnes means? Agnus Agnus Dei quit allis peccatamundi Agnus, which means lamb, the lamb of God. Ag Agnes is the lamb, the female lamb. But uh, it might also mean. In, in, in Latin, agnus, agna, uh, female of lamb. In Greek, agne, which means chaste. So both, both meanings are important. She is the, the lamb of Christ. She is the chaste lamb of Christ, the chaste spouse. And St. Agnes, whose martyrdom is so important to be one of the first pillars of the faith, for the faith, and uh, she is recorded in the canon, Roman canon, yes, together with St. Lucia and other, other Agatha and other saints, martyr saints. So, <clears throat> we, can, we can reflect on this. If St. Agnes, whose martyrdom is so important to be the manifestation of her virginal love for Christ, how much more is uh, how much more it is the virginal 
martyrdom of Our Lady important? How much more important is the virginal martyrdom of Our Lady? So the, po the point is, if Agnes was able to set an example to the whole church by giving up her life and becoming and become an example, actually, for the whole church of a virgin consecrated to Christ exclusively, who becomes a lamb of God. As Jesus, reflecting perfectly the example of our Lord. If this is possible to St. Agnes, it is because at the very beginning, even before St. Agnes, there is already an example set for the whole church. By who? by a person, a woman, who is ever virgin and is also the queen of martyrs. This person is Our Lady. So, we could say, possibly without error, that when St. Anis went to her martyrdom, the example actually was already set by Our Lady and her martyrdom, which is higher than any other possible martyrdom, because it is the suffering with Christ up to the point of dying with Him, spiritually first, and then we also think, believe that physically she died to be completely conformed to Christ, and then she was assumed into heaven. So the point is, according to St. Ambrose, that the spouse would not go, would not haste towards her nuptial, this, uh, this uh, chamber, nuptial chamber, as a virgin was always hasting towards the place of her condemnation, her martyrdom. She was hasting to that place in order to be crowned by Christ. Not by flowers, but by virtues. Everybody cried, only she was without any tear. This is St. Ambrose. The Virginibus. Right, so Our Lady is the very first form, giving an example to St. Agnes, St. Agatha, and to all other sisters, religious sisters who wish to emulate their lives for the love of Christ, to be espoused only to one, to one spouse, Jesus our Lord. So the virginity of Mary is a, the form of all vocations. It's the very, it's the beginning and also the very completion. Amen. Amen.